0: Hello there, listeners, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 308 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. And oh yes, we are covering intentionality and eco-minimalism all in one episode today. Today I'm answering a listener's question about what to do when you truly don't have the time to practice sustainable minimalism. Sandra wrote to me and she said, and I quote, how can I be a sustainable minimalist when I truly don't have enough time? I'm divorced. I have two children and I work full time. There simply are not enough hours in the day to care for my children, earn an income, and run the household, let alone add in eco-friendliness. Sandra. First off, Sandra, I can hear the overwhelm in your email. I can feel it. It's palpable. The first piece of advice I want to offer you is just to pat yourself on the back. You're doing a real darn good job at everything that's on your plate. So that's number one. Pat yourself on the back. The second thing I'd like to say right off the bat is that as I read your message, I realized quite quickly that it's not hacks or tips or tricks that you're looking for. That's not what you need because the internet and influencers galore and even my book and this podcast, if I'm being honest, all these resources are full of hacks and tips and tricks to make eco-friendly living easier for all of us. But I don't think you're looking for hacks. What you need, in my humble opinion, is some motivation. You need a mindset shift. And so this episode is for you, Sandra, but it's also for anyone and everyone listening who feels fatigued once in a while with living a sustainable, minimalist lifestyle. I say all the time on this show that eco-friendly living, eco-minimalist living It isn't a glamorous lifestyle, right? It's not breezy. It's not easy. It's not necessarily all that fun all the time. It's fun sometimes, but not all the time. It can be a drag. And I even find myself sometimes asking out loud to no one, am I making a difference? Does what I'm doing even matter in the grand scheme of things? So my answer to Sandra's question today is for Sandra, of course, but it's also for everyone who needs some motivation, who needs a pep talk. This episode is for you. Let's get right into part one. Really quick, Sandra, it sounds to me as though your days are hijacked with responsibilities. And I have a bit of an idea an idea, a little taste, a little smattering of an idea of what your days are like. Because my mom was a single mother raising two daughters on her own. At some point, she was working two jobs. So there actually wasn't enough hours in her day to add more onto her already overflowing plate. And so if you're already stretched too thin I suggest you do the best that you can with the situation you've been given in your season of life. No stress, no guilt, just do your best. For the rest of us, my first thought for all of us is to make sure the right things are on your to-do list in the first place. What on earth does that mean? That means you got to figure out what's important. What's in the top 10% most important? What's in the top 5% most important? You can't focus on what's vital, what's truly important to you, if you don't know what it is. Now, I should say, if you are regularly tuning into this show, this is not an entertainment show, it's not a true crime podcast, it is a very specific, narrowly focused podcast about minimalism, intentional living, and sustainability. So if you listen to this show religiously, I'm willing to bet that as you are thinking about what's most important to you... Environmentalism, conscious parenting, those are vitals that are likely going to come up high on your list of priorities. Those priorities, spoiler alert, are also quite important for me. <laughs> Surprise to no one, right? But for me, I want to raise conscious daughters who are good humans. I want to do everything in my power as one single person to ensure that they have a planet to live on when they're adults. And I also want to inspire others to do their respective parts for the planet. There are other things, of course, beyond this podcast that are really darn important to me. Also, like my family, investing in my health. I talk about these things sometimes too. But for the purposes of this show, like this episode right here and now, I'm betting that if you are listening to this show We have an overlap in some of our most important things, right? Sustainability, good parenting, environmentalism, minimalism, living with less, etc. I did a show before on heart-first values, and I will link to it in the show notes because I'm not prepared and I don't know the episode number off the top of my head, but I will link to it. I think that it's prudent to remember your heart-first values when deciding how to prioritize your priorities. We all have, just as a quick recap, we all have heart-first values. There are so many issues to get fired up about. Climate change is just one of them. How about minority rights? How about animal welfare? How about gender equity? How about land rights? How about veteran welfare? We could go on and on about the issues to get fired up about. So whichever ones out of the hundreds maybe thousands of issues to care about, which ones truly speak to you? In addition to your family, your friends, your own self-care, your own health, those heart-first values are where, in my opinion, you should be prioritizing your limited free time. Because doing more of the things that are aligned with our sole purpose, right? Doing the right things for the right reasons, that right there is the epitome of intentional living. So I want you to really think about it. What are your priorities? I know that sounds like a, oh, Stephanie, I want to roll my eyes at you. Obviously, I know what my priorities are. But it's more than just knowing your priorities. It's asking yourself whether you're putting your resources, your time, your mental load, your money even into your priorities. Because if you're like me, when you start to think about it, you might realize that your effort and energy is not going to your top 10% most important things. So an example here would be my relationship with my husband. On paper, he's at the top of my list, right? But how often do I actually and actively prioritize our relationship, our marriage. It is so much easier after a long day, I'm tired to sit on the couch, to watch below deck, because let's be honest, I love Bravo, scroll through my phone, just zone out. It's so much easier to do all of that than have that face-to-face conversation where we look into each other's eyes, truly hear each other, truly connect, And so there's a dissonance there for me. And you may find that as you're prioritizing your priorities, that there's a dissonance too. Just because we say it's a priority does not mean that in day-to-day life, we actively prioritize our priorities. Okay, so Sandra and everybody else listening who is feeling fatigued with sustainable, eco-minimalist living, step one is to prioritize your priorities. And if I'm right If environmentalism is on your priority list, if being a good parent, if you have children is on your priority list, if doing everything in your power to make sure your children have a planet to live on or your grandchildren have a planet to live on or is in your top 10% of priorities, then that's step one in making the drudgery, the stress, the non-glamorous aspects of sustainable living feel more doable, feel more palpable. Because when we do everything in our power to live sustainably, we're not only living our environmentalist values, but if we have children or grandchildren, we're also showing them a simpler, less wasteful, more intentional way of living. So sustainable living then, even though it can feel like a drag sometimes, becomes a means by which we Put our heart-first values out into the world. So now we're on to my second thought for you, Sandra, and again for everybody else, which is to remember that all the items on your to-do list do not carry equal weight. Now, the day I realized this was a transformative day for me, and some of you who've already realized this are probably like, duh, Stephanie. (laughs) But it took me a while to figure this out. So instead of explaining it, I'm going to give you an example first, and then I'll explain it. On my to-do list today, I have the following items. So yes, I have a journal. Yes, I write out a to-do list every day. Yes, I feel so much satisfaction when I cross items off my to-do list. I am a type A personality. I do it. It's great. Okay. So here's what's on my to-do list for today. Cook dinner. Iron. Bring up the Halloween decoration box, lift weights, vacuum the basement, and record this podcast. Okay, so that's it. Cook dinner, iron, bring up the Halloween decorations, lift weights, vacuum the basement, record episode 308. Here we are. (laughs) Now, maybe you have a to do list that looks somewhat similar. Maybe it's completely different than mine. The old me. So the old me would have looked at all of these items, all of these bullets, and assumed that all items on this list are created equal. They all carry equal weight. They're all equally important. But that is not true, is it? No, it's not. Lifting weights is self-care for me. It is also an investment in my health, which is one of my top priorities. Lifting weights, then, is certainly heavier, worth more, more valuable even than ironing right? And cooking a wholesome dinner for my family, that is me living a heart versus value of mine, which is providing my family with healthy homemade food. That's also good parenting, in my opinion. Cooking a wholesome dinner for my family tonight is certainly more important, more valuable than bringing up the Halloween decorations. That could wait a day if something had to wait, right? Every day in my life, I have found, there's a deliberate and strategic trade-off between to-do list items. And when you remember that not all to-do list items are created equal, it becomes easier for you to prioritize the ones that are weighty. Now, I have a couple more thoughts here when it comes to to to-do lists. Maybe you don't have a to-do list. Maybe you just have stuff, the drudgery, the things that need to get done every day. You feel like there's so much of it. You can't get out from under it. A couple thoughts. The first one is if you think you've already eliminated the non-essentials and everything on your list is stuff that has to get done, I suggest you look again. Do another cut, if you will. It's just like decluttering. You do a first sweep declutter and then you realize, oh no, I need to go deeper. I need to do it again and I need to go deeper. It's the same with cutting out the non-essentials. You cannot do it all. So if we're going back to my example of my real life to-do list, ironing, Halloween decorations, vacuuming the basement, that can all be pushed off. Ironing never has to happen, does it? That is just me being a 1950s housewife, vacuum the basement, it's not that bad, it can wait, I could delegate that, my eight-year-old can vacuum, let's be real, and the Halloween decorations, if I'm being honest, that's something that I could do with my children, I could practice a heart first value of being a decent parent, we could do that together. So cut again, because you cannot do it all. One more thought here when it comes to your to-do list and priorities It's important to remember that priorities do change over time. Your heart-first values likely won't change over time, but your priorities will change, and that's because our seasons of life change. Shout out to my episode on seasons of life. It came out two weeks ago, not prepared with the episode number. I'll link to it in the show notes. But the place we're in in life changes, right? Those of us with young kids probably have a different to-do list than those of us with older kids. Young kids need a lot more hands-on help than older kids. Older kids are much more hands-off and independent. Those of us with parents who are sick, you caretakers have different priorities than me, who has two healthy parents, knock on wood, and two children in school. What I'm saying here is that priorities change, and what is carrying an awful lot of weight on your to-do list right now may not carry the same amount of weight tomorrow. So something to keep in mind. We're going to take a quick break. We just have one sponsor break today. So we're going to get into that. And we're going to get into a couple more thoughts for Sandra and everybody else feeling like I just don't have the time for sustainable living. We're going to get there after a quick word from today's sponsor. And we are back. We are prioritizing your priorities today. What is essential? What do you do when you don't have the time to be a sustainable minimalist? Just to recap, my first thought was to make sure the right things are on your to-do list in the first place. And my second thought was to remember that the items on that to-do list do not carry equal weight. So now we're on to my third thought. I'm deliberately not calling them tips. Tricks or hacks today, Cassandra, that's not what you need. But my third thought is to change your language around sustainable habits. So instead of saying, I have to do this, say instead to yourself, I get to do this and I'm doing it. I choose to do it because, and then fill in your why. Why on earth would you do this? We have choices to make every single day. We have things to get done every single day. Some of those things we simply cannot change. We have no control over. They must get done, whether we want to do them or not. The only thing we have control over is our mindset. So instead of I have to do this and it stinks, flip the script. I get to do this and I'm doing it because. Now, again, I've said this two times. I'm going to say it again. I'm not prepared with episode numbers today because I don't know. I'm just not. It's one of those days. But. For all my ride or die listeners who have been listening since the beginning, in the first 50 episodes, I'll find the episode number and I will put it in the show notes, but I interviewed a mindfulness coach and I asked her a question. I said something along the lines of, how do you change your mindset around ironing or vacuuming or cooking dinner? I don't foresee myself ever wanting to do those to-do list items. So how can I make them enjoyable? I can't make them enjoyable, can I? And my guest, whose name escapes me right now, but my guest said something that was quite profound at the time and blew over my head at the time. But her response planted a seed in my head and now, three years later, I get it. She said that, yeah, I mean, vacuuming, ironing, cooking dinner, not necessarily the funnest, can feel like a chore, but if you flip the script and you say to yourself, I get to do this and I'm doing it because everything starts to change. So let's take the cooking dinner example. I get to cook dinner for my family and I'm doing it because I care about feeding them healthy, wholesome meals, nourishing their body, mind, soul. I get to vacuum the basement because I have a beautiful home with a basement for my children to play in. When you flip the script, you naturally are training yourselves to see beauty in a task, a chore, dare I say, that might not naturally bring you so much joy. I get to iron because I am so fortunate to have clothes to put on my body that keep me warm each and every day. So it's a habit. And again, at the time when my guest said this, I was like, oh, hike now. nope. Never, negative, not happening, nope on a rope. But three years later, that seed has sprouted and it makes so much sense. So let's talk about sustainable minimalism, which is what Sandra's question was about. It's not about, oh, I have to compost or I have to ride my bike or I have to, I don't know, insert sustainable minimalist activity. It's not I have to do it, it's I get to do it and I'm doing it because... And then when you insert your why, I'm willing to bet you are going to insert one of those heart-first values, one of those priorities that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. So change your language. Change the way you think about sustainable living. First, it's about a mindset shift. And then, once we do that, then and only then is it time for the tips, the tricks, and the hacks. Once you've got your mind right, is another way to say it, once you've got your mind right, it is easier to embrace the hacks. There's room, there's space in your mental load for the systems and the routines and the rhythms that abound on the internet, right? All your favorite influencers, we are pounding out the tips and tricks for you to make sustainable living a little bit easier. But... No tip, no trick, no hack is going to help you if your time is sucked up with non-essential to-do list items, if your motivation is non-existent, and if your mind is not focused on what's truly important for you in your season of life. So thought number four for you, Sandra, and all of us is to embrace the hacks, the routines, the systems, the rhythms, the tips, the tricks, whatever we want to call them. Embrace all of that only after you've got your mind right. Choose an eco-friendly habit that you are struggling with, a minimalist habit you're struggling with, and get on the World Wide Web. Again, tons of tips and tricks for you. Batch if you can. If what you're struggling with is time batch. A quick example of batching would be, just like we talked about last Thursday on the show, make many lunches at once. One of my listeners, I forgot to add this as a tip, and her name again is escaping me today, but she said that she has two bento boxes for her daughter. One daughter, two bento boxes. So on Monday, she makes two lunches at once. She only sends one lunchbox with her child. The other bento box goes in the fridge And then on Tuesday, she doesn't have to make a lunch because she already made it on Monday. It's already done. That's an example of batching. Even better if you can batch for the whole week, split up your snacks for a whole week. That's an example. That's, and it's a food related example, but batching can, once you open your mind up to batching, you realize that batching makes sense in so many situations that pop up in daily life. Okay. Remember incrementalism too, right? This is a show about slow and steady sustainable minimalist living. We are not doing all the things all the time, even though your host, yours truly, is a zero to Oprah type of woman. You're going to adopt one little tiny habit, tiny toe. You're gonna, you're gonna take one tiny little step into sustainable minimalist living. You're gonna work on that habit until it becomes second nature. And only then are you gonna add something else onto your plate. You're going to do less intentionally. You're going to intentionally do less. Yes, I just said that. So that you do what you're doing consistently. Burning out does nothing for anybody. So do less so that you do it consistently. Remember that research says that it takes two to three days to foster a bad habit. A bad habit like eating on the couch, staying up too late, watching Bravo. I don't know. I don't know, what else are my bad habits? Eating jolly ranchers like they're going out of style. It takes only two or three days to foster a bad habit, but it takes 66 days on average to create a positive habit. So if you're gonna try a new sustainable minimalist habit, maybe you're gonna try hanging up your laundry or composting or riding your bike or taking public transportation to work one day a week or eating meat one day less a week. Whatever the habit is, it is going to take you an average of 66 days for that habit to stick. I say that all to say do less so you do it consistently. Next up, Sandra, I don't know if this is going to work for you. You said you're a single parent, but if you can, delegate. My eight year old, she is such a lucky girl. I've been letting her live her best life for so long, but she is eight. She can help out with some things. She can batch snacks. She can hang up laundry. She can. Empty the dishwasher. She can do these things to help. And when she helps, she creates more space and my mental load, more free time in my days to put my efforts elsewhere. So delegate if you can. And then finally, it's important to remember that eco-friendly living does demand privilege. Lots of it. In my view, eco-friendly living demands three very specific types of privilege. One is time, which we've been talking about a lot today. But it also requires mental space and money. So Sandra, as per your email, it does not sound as though right now in your season of life, you have extra time or extra mental space to devote to sustainable living. That's what I got from your email. I could be right. I could be wrong. But let's go with it. Let's assume I'm right for a minute. What about money? So perhaps you don't have the time or mental space to give right now. But do you have a couple extra bucks in your bank account that you can live your sustainable minimalist values next time you go to buy an item? Can you spend a little bit more on quality? Can you swap out your plastic jug full of potentially harmful chemicals, detergent with a more eco-friendly zero waste option. That's just an example. My point here is to say that if eco-friendly living demands privilege, time, mental space, money, and you can't give all of them, totally understandable, by the way, can you give one of them? So flip the script in that way as well. So let's recap. This was an episode full of Stephanie thoughts. My thoughts were, number one, make sure the right things get onto your to-do list. Number one the right things. Number two, remember that the items on your to-do list do not carry equal weight. Number three, enact the hacks, routines, systems, rhythms, etc., whatever we want to call them, only when you've got your mind right, only when the mindset shift has occurred. And finally, change your language from I have to do this to I get to do this and I'm choosing to do it because... So, Sandra, and everybody who's struggling with fatigue, I hope this episode helped you. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash three zero eight. We do have an eco tip today, and it comes from Dana. Dana said that she loved the low waste lunchboxes episode. That was episode number 306. Look, I am a little bit prepared. And she had a couple more recommendations for lunchbox gear that I didn't list, but she wanted to give a shout out to. She loves the You Conserve stainless steel containers. So, stainless steel with a silicone lid. I did email her and I did say, do the lids hold up? Because a lot of times the lids crack, break useless and when there's no lid, what's the point? She said the lids hold up really well. So that would be you conserve stainless steel containers. And she also wanted me to mention squeezies. I'll link to both in the show notes. But squeezies are especially great, according to Dana, for replacing yogurt tubes or baby food pouches. She says her family puts applesauce and smoothies in them. As always, if you have an eco tip, a thought, a comment, a criticism, a compliment. I'm always here for compliments, by the way. But if you have a thought, reach out. Emails in the show notes, voicemails in the show notes, social medias in the show notes, or reach on out, say hello, and I will use your tip, trick, hack, rhythm, routine as an eco-tip at a future episode. I'll see you on Tuesday. Have an amazing weekend. As I'm recording this right now, Hurricane Ian is battering the coast of Florida. So I just want to say To all of my listeners in Florida, I am thinking of you. I am here with you in spirit, and I hope that you all stay so safe. I will see you on Tuesday, and take care.